Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. And Rebecca and I are super excited to close out our Love and Laughter series with the book Son of a Critch by Mark Critch. This book details Mark Critch's schoolhood life and the beginning of his career as a comedian with funny antidotes of things that occurred to him while he was in Catholic school. This is your spoiler warning, so if you would like to read this book, go ahead and come on back once you've had the chance to enjoy reading Son of the Critch. Well, I think, Shauna, though, you missed the the uh, subtitle, which is A Childish Newfoundland Memoir, and that is the critical part of it. And it leads us into the first question. Is the story a window into another world or life experience, in your opinion? I think this definitely was a window into another world because I did not grow up in a religious setting. And although this book has overtones of religion in general, especially with the Catholic uh, religion, it is very interesting to see and hear about the people growing up and questioning all these sorts of things that are occurring to them as they learn about their religion, especially through school and their friends and their family and being able to reconcile a lot of that as they grow up. So I definitely, in my opinion, it definitely was something, it was a window into the Catholic religion as well as you know, I feel like it really painted a picture of Canada for me as an American because, you know, to me, it's just, you know, Canada is our neighbor to the north and, and we're friendly with them. And, you know, Rebecca and I enjoy visiting Canada and talking to our Canadian friends and being able to have like this microscopic lens of beginning a beginning of a childhood all the way through his career and even his family near the end is is really cool and especially in regards to getting to talk to our canadian friends who live in that part of the country and being able to say like i remember them saying and doing those types of things uh when we were chatting with them you know well, I have to say that I have a completely different take on this question than you had, which I think is kind of interesting because for me, I, first of all, I have to say I love the book, 100% love the book, but except for the very beginning when he talks about people kind of being in the, like, the the beach and how rocky it was and how you could cut your feet on it or something. And people were pasty white. I thought that was really hilarious. And that gave me a sense of what Newfoundland might be like. I mean, it, it gave a real visual image of what it would be like for me. But everything else after that felt like it could have happened anywhere in the world. Well, and let me, let me rephrase it. Anywhere in North America. Because the Catholic school bullies, him being bored and lazy... Uh, not having a realistic life plan. I mean, it all worked out great for him that he became a celebrity and, and does all this amazing stuff, you know, acting and, and the comedy and everything. But let's face it, back then, it probably seemed like a real, an unrealistic life plan that he might have had for himself. He lies like a dog, which I thought was hilarious, which I want to talk about more because that was my favorite part of the whole book. 
even like when he was dating that girl, <laughs> even when he was dating that girl and then she, he didn't want to kiss her or he didn't kiss her and then she broke up with him. All of that is so much, all of that is my life experience. And I, I've either, I, I went to school with kids who went to Catholic school, I mean, and then transferred, but we played sports against Catholic school kids and they were pretty wild. And actually the most outrageous ones we I ever encountered that were the Catholic school kids. And so, and plus I've read a lot of stuff, memoirs like this. So for me, it, it was interesting. I loved it, but it didn't feel like it was unique to Newfoundland. I, but, I, but I mean, that's not a bad thing. I just thought the only part that seemed really like Newfoundland to me was that very, very beginning uh, of the book. I do think about small town, rural America, where, you know, there's only one school and everybody goes to that one school. And a lot of the people seem to have the same morals and values. And then as you, if you are lucky enough to move out and experience the world more, that's when you get to see that there is a lot more diversity in several aspects of life. So it's... I can see where you're going with uh, how it's not as much of a window as I I see it to be. <laughs> right. And I just mean in terms of Newfoundland, because I don't know anything about that area of Canada, except for, as you said, our friends who have mentioned it and everything. And of course, uh, small game hunting and, and all of that. But yeah, I, w I wanted more of what was maybe unique about it, but it could have been that I was so immersed in the stories, which were hilarious, that I didn't necessarily, like the Newfoundland part didn't stand out for me. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's why I wanted to ask that question, because I felt like, you know, I'm not sure that it gave me the look into the province kind of the way I wanted to see it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, you know, I kind of, I wonder in regards to like, you know how he has to travel using the car and the bus and having to walk and, you know, how far away they are from different things in which he has to, like, he gets out of doing certain things just because he's like, oh, I read the bus. I can't participate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he uses that excuse a lot. And then they're like, oh, well, you can do it while you're at school. And he's like, well, darn. But what was, but you know, what was interesting about that for me, I was thinking, okay, where I grew up, and I wasn't in a rural area by any stretch of the imagination, but we didn't have buses that ran. So I, th I thought to myself, what kind of buses were these that, and like, did he not, did he live closer to town? I don't know exactly where he lived, but even riding buses, like we rode school buses, but we didn't have other kind of buses, which I kind of Maybe he was only talking about school buses, but even his mother, like they all rode the buses and took it down to a certain point and did a transfer point. Shoot, we didn't have, well, we had that in downtown Flint, but we didn't take Flint buses. But anyway, I, that's why I say it was just really, yeah, it was, like I said, I want to preface, I mean, keep saying I really loved it though. That's not a criticism. I just thought that, <laughs> that it just didn't give me exactly kind of what I thought I would get. But so out of, don't you think that was a, that's a testament to the public transportation system, though? In the United States, we didn't have public transportation that was easily accessible to rural. Oh, you know, versus in uh, Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Newfoundland. <laughs> they even 
at that time period, he was able to successfully get around to do things just because they had good public transportation. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Maybe they they maybe they have great public transportation or did back then. And I'm sure they still do if they had it back then. So, yeah. All right. Well, here, let's get into the next part of it, because let's face it, we could sit here and talk about this all day long. But the best part are the funny stories. So what funny stories sort of stood out for you? Oh, you know, I have been telling this joke to a lot of people in order to kind of like say, hey, this is I'm reading this book right now. And this is the one joke I can remember. And I've changed it to even say Michigander instead. So there's a there's this one part where uh, Mark is telling the history of Newfoundland at the beginning of the book. They're trying to work together and they're on different sides of the island and stuff. And what happens is they start making fun of one another. And he's like, oh, how do you get a, a one-armed Irishman out of a tree? And they're like, oh, you wave at him. <laughs> and then he goes in and he says it for, <laughs> for the Canadian. And I'm like, that is hilarious. Like the way that he delivers it and and how it comes off. And so I, I've, so, I've told that joke to probably, gosh, 10 people in the last month that I've been reading this book. <laughs> Except for I've changed it to like, hey, how do you get a one-armed Michigander out of a tree? And I have to say the most interesting response that I have gotten to that that particular question is, well, how did the one-armed man get in the tree? Uh, that's true. <laughs> because we're strong. We're very strong people. That's how. <laughs> so I have to say like that particular, that one particular joke really got me. And then, of course, there are times where like he was telling about how his brother leaves and he has to take care of the radio station's lawn. And this is where he really comes out and states that he's a lazy, he's a lazy guy. And, but he tells this amazing story of the, the lawnmower. And he's like, man, I, I toiled and toiled away and I worked and I, got all sweaty and I went back inside and it only been 15 minutes. My dad hollered at me to get back out there. <laughs> he's like, that's not the life for me. And at one point he's also talking about the lawnmower getting away from him and, and chomping down one of the O's in the name of the radio station. And now it says VC instead of VO kind of deal. <laughs> so uh, there are several, I want to say I left. Gosh. Because I listened to the audiobook, and the way that Mark Critch delivers the story is, of course, since he's a comedian, he absolutely gets how to do the punchlines and do the timing of everything and different people's voices, his mother's voice and his father's voice and the different ch the children at the school. So, you know, I laughed probably throughout this entire book. In fact, uh I was driving and uh, my boyfriend was sleeping in the car and I'd be laughing like, I would laugh and be like, oh, no, oh look, oh, he's still sleeping. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you? What are some funny points for you? Well, I, I did write, uh, I have this book that uh, our friend uh, from Nova Scotia, Sarah gave us these uh, really cool, beautiful uh, journals and I couldn't think of what I wanted to do with it. So now what I'm doing is I'm writing down my favorite quotes. So actually Mark made it three quotes in my, in my new book. And then I have a fourth one I want to share, but this one isn't, this one isn't funny, but this is what he reminded me of myself. And he's, he's much younger than I am, but 
he said this and I thought, oh my God, if this wasn't my childhood, but I'm not sure if this is going to make sense out of the, out of context, but it's basically when, when his dad writes a note for him to be excused from cello practice and he ends up, and he ends up saying, because his brother was somebody who didn't really want to interact a whole lot with the family when he got to a certain age, he was older. So he kind of was off doing his own thing with his headphones on all the time. But he said, a detour sign now blocked off the road, not taken. And I could follow my brother's well-mowed path of least resistance. And I thought that was my life. I never stirred up trouble. It was always the path of least resistance. So I love that line. But here's here are the funny ones that just made me, I'm telling you, that really, I mean. You know, you're lucky that you get to be a younger child then. <laughs> well, I was, I had two young, one ahead of me and two behind me. So I was, it's not fun being a middle child, trust me. But anyway, um, I will say that the, I laughed through a lot of it. And I will tell you, I really wished I had listened to the audio version because I know he, I'm sure, like you said, the delivery, the timing, everything would have just been brilliant and really, really funny. But I did buy the book, but I still laughed. I mean, I really enjoyed the book. But here's the one line that I have a couple. But so he was talking about uh, Vienna sausages and he said, Vienna sausages are a national food in Newfoundland, second only to the cod. I always wondered why they call them Vienna sausages. I assume it's because carcass paste wouldn't sell. <laughs> and I love carcass paste. Oh, my God. I literally laughed out loud at that one. and then. This one, I love this line because I've always said the things that make me like, like you like those jokes, like the one-armed guy, you like those kind mm -hmm. of jokes. Those aren't really my kind of jokes necessarily, but what I like is just stating something that is sort of average everyday life, but then putting a twist on it and making it funny. And this is one of my, this is one of my favorites. The, when the, towards the end of the book, when the boys are all sort of drinking their very first beer together, he says... I glanced around the room to see how the other boys were doing and they were and they all wore the expression of someone pretending to enjoy a conversation with their spouse's boss. <laughs> I thought that was so funny <laughs> because I could just see these young teenage boys having their first beer, not even teenage, like probably preteen, having their first beer. And that that image just really captured me. I thought that was hilarious. But here's the thing that made me laugh the most. And then I want to say why it made me laugh the most. So. As we know, he gets picked to play the cello and he really does not want to play the cello. So he goes to his dad and he is really unhappy and he's trying to tell his dad all the bad things about he's going to get beaten up and everything because he plays the cello. And so he gets his dad to write a letter to the sister to tell him Mark isn't going to play the cello. So he says, he writes, Sister Elizabeth, please excuse Mark from playing cello. He is not up to it. Please also excuse him from whatever experiments you are doing with frogs in science class. The boy is a bit soft, but I hope he will grow out of it. Regards, Mike Critch. And the frog references a part of the cello, which the bow, which is called a frog. But here's my very, very favorite part. So, of course, he goes to school and he's supposed to give the letter to the sister. But then he starts to think, wait a minute. I don't, I get out of math class to go to play, you know, practice the cello. And I really hate math. So I'm just actually going to keep going to play cello because then I can avoid being in math class. So he decides not to show the, the letter to the, to the sister. So then it says, he gets home and it says, that night at the dinner table, 
Dad asked what the nun had said when I gave her his note. Oh, she was very understanding, I lied. And she said you had lovely penmanship. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> the thing that made me laugh about that was I thought, and this is what made me laugh through the whole freaking book, is he would lie like nobody's business. It never dawned on him not to lie. And this is what I've said all along. Children, the job of a child is to lie. And the reason they lie is to figure out where are their, where are their boundaries, how much can they get away with. So you have to assume that every kid pretty much is lying and that's why you sometimes have to dig it out. Now, the best part of it is his dad kind of knew sometimes when he was lying because he would get caught and then he'd have, his dad would say, oh, so blah, blah, blah. And he'd go, yeah. And so his dad totally was on to him. But that's what made me laugh was just the fact, I mean, every time I would turn the page and he would say something that was a complete lie to a, an adult, I just thought that was hilarious because I could just picture him. And and he didn't even, he never felt guilty about it. He was a, he was a liar. And that was like... Number one favorite part of this story, I mean, the whole book, was that he was a liar. And he was a pretty good liar, I think. He got away with a lot of stuff, I think, in his childhood, which is what kids are supposed to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm just thinking of, like, the time they are doing their first confession. And oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they're looking for something to do in order to have to confess about it. And... Him and his friends are like, oh, what can we do? Can, should we swear? Should we do this? Should we rob something from the store? And uh, they end up finding this piece of paper with the naked lady drawn on. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go up and, and they think that someone's uh, ratting him out on something. Then he gets up and he's trying to like feel it out as to if he's been uh, like told on or not. And... And then he ends up getting away <laughs> with it based on whatever he ends up saying. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, one of the things I really liked about the the cello in particular was he had this one line that basically said, because uh, he was always picked on about playing the cello. And in fact, Fox's, the Fox family stole it. And uh, at one point during the time that had been stolen, he's like, my violin with a thyroid problem yeah and which to me is hilarious because not very many people realize that thyroid problems make you gain or lose a lot of weight and so i was like yeah stick it to them you know good for you for making a, a health joke there and some people are going to get that so thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I, there were just too many stories. I mean, everything. And in fact, I have to say, I this book is like 317 pages, I think. And at first I was like, oh, man, I didn't know it was this big. This is going to take me forever to get through it. But it actually took me about three days to read it. Yeah, I think it took me about three days to read it, which was a shock. I couldn't put it down. Like I spent all day, pretty much all day, Saturday and Sunday reading it. And it was... It was a great way to spend my weekend. I loved it. But but I have a tougher question uh, here at the end now. Okay. Because I do think we have to acknowledge this part of it, which was interesting to me. But there were two parts in the book where there was sort of child sexual abuse. There was the guy who worked at the radio station with his dad, and he'd been there, I guess, for a really long time. And then, of course, through the, the sexual abuse through the, the uh, Catholic Church. And my, I'm curious about... A, did you expect to see something like that in the book? And do you think it belonged in a funny memoir? 
to me, it's just part of the story. And I was more interested in how the kids dealt with it and figuring out how they dealt with it than the other parts of the story. So yes, they talk about the guy being shamed and no longer part of the community and also the sisters being called out and having to go on the, the news and getting interviewed about some of those things. And, but the thing that I was most interested in was when the sister comes out and asks or says to the, all of the classroom, basically, Hey, if you have any questions about this, it was like the first time any adults were ever bringing up the subject to any of the kids to help them understand what was kind of going on to me. Yes. Uh, once I understood that there were, this was going to be more about religion than, than was let on from just the description of the book. I totally think that it was appropriate in regards to like, you know, you can't have a book that's completely just laughter because then it would just be jokes, right? You're reading a joke book at that point. I think he was trying to give a level of seriousness too to help see both sides of you know, you have your humor and then you have a little bit of seriousness to make the human humor sometimes even funnier. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it, actually. I, I feel like I, I almost would have liked more of the seriousness. I mean, I would have liked a more introspective, serious flavor through the entire book rather than just kind of throw it in because he did that part with his dad i mean the guy that worked with his dad he sort of threw that in which was like oh that's really odd and i didn't think of it as like foreshadowing the whole catholic church part of it uh, but then there's this really beautiful sort and i don't want to give this away at all but this really sort of beautiful thing at the end that sort of ties his childhood and the sexual abuse together and his and his and his future because where he was going with his comedy and everything, you know? So I thought that was a really beautiful tie-in and wrapped all that up really nicely. But I guess I kind of would have liked it a little more, some seriousness sort of in the beginning or throughout the book, because at the end, it just felt a little jarring, like, yikes, wow, we're going here. And this is a little bit, a little bit different kind of strong content. Anyway, so... And again, I want to be really clear. It's not a criticism. I, I think it's still an amazing book. It was really funny. I loved it. But uh, I did want to mention that piece of it. So now, do we want to give it our score? Of course we want to give it a score. Shauna, how many maple leaves are you going to give Son of a Critch by Mark Critch? As this is our last book in the Love and Laughter series, and I have 100% loved it, I'm going to give it five stars. Wow. Well, I'm giving it five stars as well. I, I, it's rare that I can read a book in two or three days, and especially a book this size, but I couldn't put it down. It made me really happy, you know, especially as we're winding down the end of one president and going into another and we're ending the year with this pandemic still really bad here in the U.S. I needed a freaking laugh and this made me laugh. I loved it. 
I want to thank you, Mark Critch, for writing it. And I'm going to start checking out his TV show because it sounds really great. I've seen a couple of clips. And to be honest with you, I hadn't heard of him, which, you know, I feel kind of bad that <laughs> as an American, I didn't know him. But he's definitely somebody who's on my radar now. And I'm, I'm going to kind of seek him out a little bit and um, and enjoy his humor because I didn't get to listen to the audio. But I think he's probably a pretty amazing person. Oh, yeah. And I started following him on Instagram and he is hilarious on there as well. So don't follow him on Instagram as well if you if you don't. Oh, yeah. No, I do as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you 100%. I'm so glad that we did this series. I think we really needed love and laughter, especially in what has occurred in this year. And being able to really kind of not necessarily read fluff pieces, but to to give a little bit more of a spectrum to what we're able to provide as content is, I think, great. I agree. Thanks for listening. If you would like us to continue providing great content like this, subscribe and tell all your friends about Canada Reads American Style. Goodbye.